everyone, welcome to They Teach That, a podcast about film, video, and TV production programs in our schools. I'm your host, Kevin Patterson. Okay, so two things. Uh, this episode is coming out over the weekend instead of in the middle of the week. Uh, I took a brief getaway to start my summer, and so that kind of threw off my planned weekly routine. Uh, I was also originally planning to bring you an interview with Jennifer Overtibes from West Ranch High School today, um, but I'm going to save that for next week. And so what I have for you this week is a special conversation Uh, It's actually my very first interview with a former uh, TV production student as opposed to a a teacher. Um, I I hope to bring you uh, more interviews later on in this series with with students from different programs. Um, And actually this interview was the first overall episode that I recorded. Uh, So in figuring out my my first test run at at producing a a podcast interview, uh, I went back to my hometown of Lakeland, Florida. If you want to know where Lakeland is, if you look at a map of Florida and put your finger just right in the exact middle of the state, then you're pretty much putting your finger on Lakeland. Um, And so I went there and talked with someone whom I went to high school with. His name is Ryan Welshans. Ryan was actually the best man at my wedding. And so right at this moment, some of you may already be tuning out a little bit because you're thinking, oh, he just you know, recorded an episode with his friend. And well, yeah, that's true. Like I said, this was kind of my first test run. And so this episode was uh, kind of me practicing sort of what I wanted to to do for this series. Uh, And you'll see I actually did a few things differently in this episode because of that. I I was editing in some uh, different clips. And so at some points you'll hear uh, uh, different audio clips kind of pop up throughout the the interview. Um, But I'm sharing this interview with you all because I think it's definitely a worthwhile conversation You'll hear some insights into the mindset of a student, and specifically a student with a unique passion and drive for the subject area we teach. I definitely feel a bit vulnerable sharing this episode today. Uh, It's the story and experiences of someone who's been a big part of my life for the past 13 years. This podcast has been intended for a national community of teachers and students, and so far I've talked with individuals that you've likely heard of if you've been a member of the Student Television Network or, or even the National Scholastic Press. Uh, but I only know for sure of one other listener to this podcast who would have even previously known the name of today's interview subject. So I really hope you will all find yourself uh, pleasantly surprised with what you're about to hear. In this episode, we'll discuss the impact that the TV production class had on him. What TV production gave me the opportunity to do was to take all that imagination, all that at the time, especially because of things I was going through emotionally, my parents' divorce and stuff like that, a lot of that creative frustration and wanting to tell stories and get some stuff out of me, it it literally gave me the tools to do it. Um, So through the lens of of TV throughout high school, it was really about just finding myself. His passion for storytelling. But that was the first time it clicked for me that this guy's telling a story and it is majorly impacting somebody. And the approaches he took to his work as a student. Rely on looking into the camera knowing that you really, really want to make that girl in the back of the class understand what you're talking about. How am I going to communicate that? Or I want to make that kid who never laughs at anything, I want him to crack up. A few things about Ryan. He graduated a year ahead of me in 2006 from Lake Gibson High School in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, Ryan was a student who definitely found his identity at at our school by what he did in the TV production class. Uh, That was definitely what everyone on campus knew him for. Uh, There's a quote that you've likely seen on social media. Um, It's it's usually attributed to Albert Einstein, but but actually it's kind of unsure who it's attributed to. But the quote is, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Uh, 
Ryan was a student that if you just looked at his GPA, you would get one impression of him, and if you actually interacted with him, you would have a whole other impression. Uh, not only was he very well spoken, but uh, just very knowledgeable of current events and politics. Um, when it came to his work in, in the TV production class, he was great at satire and parodies. Uh, it just came natural to him to, to lead and direct a group of his peers in a project. Um, and very few conversations with him would ever go by without a hint of his somewhat encyclopedic knowledge of, of films. And I think you're going to catch a little glimpse of that uh, in some of what you hear today. In our conversation, you'll hear us reference awards and competition. And what we're specifically referring to is a program called the Polk County Video Awards. Uh, it's an annual event that's uh, been happening in Polk County, Florida for the past 26 years. Uh, much of what Ryan and, and his peers produced uh, was specifically for entries into categories for this event. Um, this is purely speculative of me, but I like to think that, um, that had uh, our program uh, been more connected with some of the national contest opportunities back in the mid-2000s. Um, I, I definitely think some of what Ryan produced uh, and was part of producing uh, uh, with that group uh, would have definitely been competitive at that time, but, but pretty much everything that we produced was just submitted for, for local contests. I only had the chance to work with him for a year in our class. It was my junior year and his senior year, um, but that year was just incredibly influential in the work that I went on to do my senior year and even through college. Brian is currently a youth pastor at a church just down the road from our high school and has a real passion for working with students in his ministry. He's a great example of how a class like TV production can help a student grow and develop for any kind of career, not just in the film and television industry. I think you guys will really enjoy this conversation and get some good takeaways from it. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right. So I'm here with Ryan. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. Uh, so. Why don't you, uh, since television is usually a visual medium, but we don't have that mm -hmm. uh, recording audio here, tell, yeah. kind of set the scene for us. Tell us where we're at and uh, you know, what, what, what environment are we in here? Well, right now you're in my office, which is uh, fairly messy, I think, <laughs> trying to prepare for sermons and a mission trip or leaving for in a week. But uh, my office, which is basically my little home away from home with uh, tons of books and movie influences and lots of stuff. So this is where I've been here at this job now for... Um, since January, so going on six months or so. But what's the mission trip you guys are going to? We're going to Nashville. Um, oh, yeah. Went to Nashville last year. Uh, had a great time. It's really interesting because Lakeland's a very small town, but it's turning into a small town with a big city kind of feel. They're really, it's really expanding a lot. And Nashville, I feel like, is kind of like a a bigger Lakeland. <laughs> there's just a, it's not too huge, um, but there's just a lot to do. But also a very kind of odd. Uh, familiar small town feel to it so and there's a lot of diversity in Nashville yeah, a lot yeah. more than people would think it, it's very hipster very hipster um it's there's scary. a lot that came out of the civil rights movement in Nashville that I didn't know about until I, I went there last year um and there's a lot going on in the city as far as the economics and, and a lot of the the homeless populations growing but it's a great city and a great place to, to do great work and expose kids to a big city feel all right, so let's get an idea of who you are exactly. Tell us, uh, who is Ryan Eric Welshans today? Oh, my. That's deep. <laughs> Ryan Eric Welshans. Uh, Ryan Eric Welshans is a child of God. He is a father, <laughs> um, and he is a husband. I have uh, three going on four kids, and uh, I'm married to my sort of kind of high school sweetheart. <laughs> and I'm a youth pastor here in town in Lakeland of been here all my life and um 
Yeah, so... Uh, Ryan loves movies. I love movies. I love film. I love all things art and a lot of pop culture stuff. And um, also enjoy just kind of being with people. I just really enjoy people a lot. So I feel very, very blessed to be where I'm at and do what I do. So it's a great mixture of what I used to do with TV stuff and what I do now with ministry is basically focused on people and storytelling. All right. So you just turned 30. Yes. Uh, Take us back to half a lifetime ago for you. When you were 15, high school freshman, um, yep. you, who was Ryan Welshans back then? Ryan Welshans, 15, freshman, very confused. Uh, confused and also um, determined in, in a couple of areas. One, I had been through a very interesting experience, uh, which we'll talk about later with why I love movies and kind of how that that love uh, awakened in me but I was in a really weird spot when I was 15 because I had been going to Rochelle School of the Arts and I had gone to Socrum Loop Elementary School two schools that had nothing really going for them when it came to film and TV production at all but I loved movies and I loved movie making and that whole process so when I became uh, a high schooler I knew that Lake Gibson High School had a really great TV production team, but there was this other school, Harrison School of the Arts, that was great for drama, music, art, dance, everything else. And a lot of my friends were going there um, because we all came from Rochelle, and that's just kind of the natural track you normally go. Uh, But I decided I really wanted to go to Lake Gibson to pursue this TV production thing. And so when I was 15, I didn't have a lot of the advantages that some of the other students had. Uh, as far as coming from a great program like a Lake Gibson Middle School. A quick note here about the school that Ryan just mentioned, Lake Gibson Middle School. At the 2017 Student Television Network Spring Nationals, there were three middle school categories, uh, each of which placed five videos. So a total of 15 middle school videos that placed nationally in three different contests. And of those 15 total videos that placed, three of them came from Lake Gibson Middle. They also placed two videos in 2016 and had two videos placed also in 2015, including a first place winner. So Lake Gibson Middle School is not only a successful program relative to the local area, it is a successful middle school program on the national level as well. A lot of those kids got grafted right into the advanced crew and were really just doing great stuff and I really had to work my way up. So when I was 15, I was trying to feel myself out and feel out the program and feel out uh, kind of how I wanted to how I wanted to create um, this this new me who's in this new setting who's going to try to make a name for himself and try to do what I can do the best work that I could when I had a few things kind of stacked against me a little bit um, but it was a good year I learned a lot won some awards and rose up really quick in the TV production team there uh, just through other people's generosity and time and honestly just a lot of hard work. <laughs> so from that, how would you describe your, your overall high school experience? So high school is kind of a unique time where you're, you're taking kids that are, had just finished puberty mm-hmm. and you're trying to get them into early adulthood. Um, you know, how was that transition for you? How was that time period for you? Those four years, how would you say you grew over those four years? It's a great question because adolescence in its nature is basically like a a death of a childhood and a a rebirth into adulthood and so we're in that very strange awkward middle spot Um, and and how I grew honestly in TV production was really the avenue that that I would say God used to 
to do this with me with is is learning my love for people. I was a very self-absorbed kid, very self-absorbed, very self-absorbed, um, very worried about my own stuff, just trying to make, like I said earlier, make a name for myself. And over the course of those four years, learning how to tell stories and talk to other people about their stories and create news packages and documentaries and films that were about usually other people and things that had happened to them and and stories that they had lived and that were really powerful and shaped them uh, really helped me to kind of grow up to be a person who uh, I would hope wasn't as self-absorbed as I walked in when I was a freshman. Um, and I learned how to be a team player. That was a huge deal. So uh, that high school experience through the lens of TV production, other stuff, really was, was very valuable for me. I grew up a lot. I grew up a lot. And I learned how to hone in on my craft um, but also just expand my understanding of what it meant. This is going to sound very deep and weird for a high score, but it, it expanded my idea of what it meant to be human, basically, and connect with people. So Let, Let's go off of that a little bit more yeah. and um, uh, th- that lens of TV production mm-hmm. in high school. So uh, so you mentioned you were at Lake Gibson High School, which is here in Lakeland, Florida, yep. um, in the TV production class, big part of your high school experience. Huge. Uh, tell us about the significance that that class kind of had in, in your overall high school experience and, and growth as a teenager? A couple of things had happened. Um, one, I had been told by a lot of people growing up, oh, you're like, you like movies, you're really good at the... I had a little you know, camera I had at the house and I'd make fake movies on my own and, and just do stuff and goof around and make sets outside and, and stuff like that. But what TV production gave me the opportunity to do was to take all that imagination, all that at the time, especially because of things I was going through emotionally, my parents' divorce and stuff like that, a lot of that creative frustration and wanting to tell stories and get some stuff out of me, it it literally gave me the tools to do it. Um, So through the lens of of TV throughout high school, it was really about just finding myself and exposing those parts about myself that that were deep in there that wanted to do this and wanted to do that and wanted to talk about these kind of issues and, and explore these different kind of stories and um, in the midst of doing that I really like I said earlier I learned how to work with a team and learn how to communicate vision learn how to communicate my goals learn how to communicate and get other people on board of a particular vision and goal which really in life is that's, that's leadership at the end of the day is having people to lead and leading them somewhere and TV production was an amazing opportunity to be able to not just do that, but to try to evoke emotion, not just from your teammates, but from then the viewing audience of what you were trying to get them to understand, what your perspective was. And if they can get on board with your perspective and how you're seeing this story play out, how you're telling this story, how you're telling this news package, whatever, and they buy into it, it's a beautiful thing. And so learning how to do all that um, while growing up and going through all the ups and downs of high school life and friends and, you know, girls and uh, dating and not dating and, and where am I headed after high school? It was all a very good culmination of, of all those things. So uh, it was wonderful. So I want to talk about both aspects of, of what you did in high school in a TV production class. So there, there's news production and there's mm-hmm. filmmaking, kind yeah. of two two different elements. You got the real stories and the fictional stories. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about the fiction first. Like when and and why would you say that you developed a, a love for movies? Mm. 
I developed a love for, for movies out of my love for storytelling and my love for stories themselves. And it was, it was definitely, I'm adopted. Um, and there's always a debate with how, how do, uh, parents who've adopted kids, how do they tell their kids they're adopted? So when I was little, my parents would frame it like a story, like a fairy tale. There's this little boy, his mommy couldn't take care of him, and so she ended up giving him to another family who could, so he could have a better life. And so all the way through my youngster years, it was basically just this understanding that I was a part of a story. I was part of something kind of bigger than myself, and, you know, it was a really neat experience to be able to be adopted and kind of chosen and and special. I I really uh, kind of lived into that as a young kid. Um... And then when things started to go south for my family in particular, my parents got divorced and we just went through a lot of hardships in middle school, which every middle schooler goes through hardships. It's a terrible time. Um, I fell in love with film. I'd watched movies all my life, but I never noticed the filmmaking aspect. And I will tell you the one thing that I remember, uh, there were two big, big moments for me, actually. One was watching, I was probably in the fifth or sixth grade, and we rented Saving Private Ryan. I was way too young to see this. Yeah, movie. I was going to say. Well, I, should, I should preface that. You're way too young to see Saving Private Ryan in fifth and sixth grade. I saw it when I was 15, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is <laughs> yeah. intense. So, um, but I, I kind of had this instinct that things were fake, and they were just making a movie. So I, was, I saw, as we go throughout this talk, was, there's a lot of movies I saw way too young that most kids would not have been able to process or handle or be able to understand. But I, I just had a a unique ability to grasp onto stories really quick. With that said, remember watching the first few minutes before Spielberg takes us to Omaha beach and we're watching the now elderly private Ryan walk through, um, the, the grave site, the memorial site and, uh, his family's with him and he can't take it anymore. He breaks down, he gets on his knees and my mom who was sitting behind me on the couch, uh, her dad was in fought in world war two. He was actually a POW um, in the Philippines, I believe. And she just started bawling. She started crying. This is before any of the big stuff had even happened. And I'm looking over her, and, and honestly, like, I don't even know if I've told her this, to be honest with you. But that was the first time it clicked for me that this guy's telling a story, and it is majorly impacting somebody. It's making all this stuff come back to my mom, thinking about her dad and all the stuff that he went through and a whole generation of people who went through a certain thing. And I'm watching my mom break down and cry. And the movie hasn't even really started yet. And I remember thinking, there's something to this. There's really something going on here that's beyond just a movie. It's tapping into something much, much deeper. And so then um, I started learning about this guy Spielberg and I rented this other movie that I was way too young to watch called Schindler's List. And within another five, ten minutes, if you've ever seen the opening to that movie, where you know, kind of learning about Schindler and kind of the way he works and the way he's kind of getting all these different uh, Nazi war profiteers together to be able to kind of get a good base of people together to be able to get what he needs to get to start his company, it was brilliant filmmaking. I mean, just beautiful shots. The cinematography by Janusz Kaminski is outstanding. The editing, the music, the way Spielberg shot it. I was just blown away. So I had this whole mixture of impact and how you tell that story visually. And then the movie itself just changed my life forever. 
the whole message of hope in the midst of darkness and and you know one person being able to make an impact on thousands of people's lives was just awesome. But the craft of filmmaking and the craft of the movies that I was watching, um, it just opened up a whole other door. So I just dove in and I watched every movie I possibly could, learned as much as I could about the movie making process and basically found my escape from my hardship. Parents' divorce, loneliness in middle school, stuff like that. I just escaped into other people's stories. Um, and kind of lived into that for a long time. And it was a real great way for me to be able to step back away from my own pain. And at times, though, through stories like, um, you know, even like things like American Beauty, Kramer versus Kramer, movies like that that I was yet again way too young to be watching, uh, I was able to kind of see that even ordinary life can be beautiful. Ordinary life is in itself a drama. Um, and and has ups and downs and story arcs and all this and harking back all the way back to when I was adopted were a part of this larger story and these films are just a way to be able to kind of keep that storytelling process going for fake lives, real lives, biopic lives, whatever Um, and then that kind of transitioned to making films myself so yeah okay so that that gets into my next question here so like how did that love for films um, progress to to your own making of movies and, and tell us about some of what you did as a student what some of your uh, experiences and work uh, was yeah so when I first started um, well the the movie making process itself so watching movies is one thing really liking all those things being a critic of those films and admiring it was one thing but then being able to kind of sit down and take a camera it was weird because when I, when I was going through all that stuff and I was starting to fall in love with movies I started noticing that the way that I saw things with my eyes, my perspective, was starting to almost be like a camera. I would be sitting there and I would be talking to somebody and we'd be having a conversation. The conversation's great, it's whatever, it's fine. I'm in the you know, eighth grade, but I'm starting to notice things like how the lighting is in the room. How this feels almost cinematic, this conversation I would have like with my, my dad late at night outside. There's a pool there, and he's got like a, a light shining on the pool, and it's very, it's very dramatic. And so I started to notice this stuff. And so then when I picked up a camera for the first time, I'm starting to notice all this different, all these angles, how to tell perspective, how to tell that story. I'm learning things from all these other filmmakers from these movies I'm watching. Um, and I just started doing it. I just started making these little home movies and it just became very natural to me to basically my gift was finding the angle, finding some sort of perspective with the camera, um, and how to tell a story in a, in a particular way. So that became very, very impactful and just really neat. Cause I didn't know I actually had that in me. Uh, when I got into high school, that's basically how I got my, my early cut in TV we had this project where it was uh, for the very, very beginning kids who weren't advanced. They weren't from the middle school, the Lake Gibson Middle School, so they weren't, you know, at the time they weren't considered to be the best of the best yet. They were just kids. They were in the beginning class, and they were kind of had a, like audition tryout sessions. It was create a commercial, and so I came up with this commercial idea for uh, Bookerderm CQ. <laughs> 
the the emphasis was on reading, and so it was this thing. This kid's addicted to reading, and um, me and another student uh, did it together. But I came up with all the camera angles and acted in it and kind of directed it myself and had somebody edit it for me and kind of told them what I wanted to see. And, and when it was edited and it was all done, it was the one that we entered into the Polk County Video Awards that year. And that was the start. I literally made probably four or five commercials. What I would usually do is I would go home, I would listen to John Williams or Thomas Newman scores, and I would create a story out of those, literally. I would just create a story out of it. Another quick note here to give you an idea of one such project that I can recall. Ryan actually used this track from the Oscar-nominated score to Road to Perdition, composed by Thomas Newman, and created a series of shots of a student who all of a sudden realizes he had forgotten something and starts running across the school campus to retrieve it. And by the end, we find out that he's left his book, and the commercial was, of course, to promote reading. When I was... In between my sophomore and junior year, one of the big things that had happened, my friend and I had gone to North Carolina, and um, we had just said, we'll just we'll make a movie. Didn't Hadn't made one yet. We'll just make a movie. Actually, this is in between freshman and sophomore year, because we hadn't even made Shadows yet. So we went up to North Carolina, and we got this, I had this cheap camera together, and I remember we shot this movie, it's called uh, Carolina Soldier, it was about the soldier who basically has um, this mental breakdown. Like in the post-Civil War, right? Post-Civil War thing. He has this breakdown in the middle of the woods. He starts seeing crazy visions and sees himself all bloodied up, coming after him with a gun, all this crazy stuff. And one of the neat things that shaped me in that was I was getting all these shots, and I was really directing. This is the first time I ever felt like I was actually, truly directing. I even took pictures of myself acting like I was Spielberg directing Tom Hanks and Saving Private Ryan, and it, it was crazy. But I was doing all this really fun stuff in the mountains, getting these great shots that I had no idea I knew how to get um, or how to view. And what was really cool was I brought all the footage back, and we would watch it, kind of like you do like with movie reels and stuff we would watch it back at the house and i would have already thought about how i wanted to edit it but we'd watch the footage on the tv hook the camera up to the tv watch it there um and the midst of doing that my mom who would be watching the footage we had like literally she'd be laughing because she would be like how, what are you gonna do with this like what's how's this gonna turn out there's all this random Nothing, you know, it's just him in the woods, falling down, walking. There's this weird gun stuff with him all bloodied up with fake ketchup makeup. And how's this going to all come together? And when we got back uh, to school and we pieced it together, it blew everybody away. Because it was like, whoa, these guys know how to make a movie out of random stuff. And my mom especially was like, well, I guess I was oddly wrong about all that. But that was a great exercise in learning how to create mood. Learning how to create mood and tension and even though the movie, like I look at it now and it's like laughable, but the mood is good. You instantly get the mood of this creepy, um, very solemn perspective of what the soldier's going through and it's done well through music and through shots and stuff and that was a great exercise in learning how to do mood so then moving into how to do documentaries you're still bringing all that with you how do you create a mood of high energy high this high that and trying to trying to keep the story focused um and all that so but out of that came into sophomore junior and senior year uh was basically expanding all of that so expanding our ability to tell stories so me and my friend david warren 
we would make these larger scale films together that were, you know, the stuff that you entered into the awards. Um, and that was great. We have, did a project, A Girl Named Amber, which was very unlike anything most schools were doing for short films. It was a quirky, almost Woody Allen-esque kind of love story, which was very odd. My job's online. Great. Oh, yeah, and there's this new Kevin guy. I figured I'd introduce myself, and I think it went over pretty well. I, uh, you know, offered to show him the ropes, and he, he called me a loser. I just had four articles published in the last week. I haven't had one. Really? Kevin, this is the guy who uh, took your girlfriend. Yes. And now he has taken all the good articles. Yes. So he's like the best overall guy. I don't know. Okay. It was very original. It was very different. It was a quirky love story. Uh, there's no big... There's some dramatic stuff towards the end, but it was basically just trying to tell a really great story. Uh, but also in that year... I discovered my love for documentaries. And I'd never thought I'd be interested in documentaries, but that kind of all goes back to that whole idea of loving other people's stories and trying to tell their stories. So when I was a junior, um, we had a uh, we had four hurricanes that hit Lakeland all at the same time. I don't remember all the names. Gene, yeah, Francis. Charlie was the first one. Yeah, Charlie. Charlie. I, Charlie's the only one I remember, but yeah. Yeah, yeah Charlie, yeah, Gene, so Francis, something like that. Really right. got ravaged that year. And it was, it was and for those listening, if you were born after, you know, a certain age, hurricanes are kind of like a joke now because you haven't had one. But back then, I mean, it was a real deal. And Lakeland was really devastated after those four. Um, but after one of them in particular, I forget which one, but we had a week off of school. Uh, and I don't remember even how I had the idea. I think I looked outside. I think one of the trees in our yard had fallen down, and there was this image I had. We had a swing set kind of outside, and the tree had fallen down, and there was a swing just kind of going back and forth in front of uh, this tree that had fallen. And it was just a powerful image, and I was like, well, I'm off for a week. I better grab my camera and do something. So my dad, who works for uh, the city of Lakeland, will be retiring in October, uh, has worked there for over 20 years. Uh, he works in traffic operations for the city. And I asked him, I said, I really want to do something for the hurricanes. I just don't know what to do. Uh, so he said, why don't you do something with traffic operations, solid waste, which does all the garbage and the pickup for us, and Lakeland Electric, how they put the city back together. I was like, it's not a half bad idea. So I grabbed my camera, and that first day we were we were out, I was out filming around Lakeland, a bunch of different shots of yeah the city being flooded, and it was really a powerful experience. Just me and my little Honda Blue CRV with a camera, trying to get shots of the city that I hadn't really seen a city like that before. And then it was that whole week of just spending time with my dad, and then Papa George from Solid Waste, and um, a guy named Bill from Lakeland Electric and we just I followed them around and I just kind of saw things from their perspective got interviews there was literally very little structure or outline <laughs> this podcast is more organized than I was when it came to shooting this thing I just followed them around and got as much footage as I possibly could I think I I had oh man it must have been four or five hours of footage it was maybe even more than that it was a lot uh, but I learned a ton I learned a lot about on-the-fly shooting, uh, learning how to get an angle, immediately get a perspective, learning how I see things from the camera's perspective when it comes to people, when it comes to a moment, when it comes to, to anything. And then learning how to edit in my head was huge. That was big. Most people don't do that for some reason if, if they're just kind of 
you know, not, not experienced enough. You have to learn how to edit in your head. It is not smart to go out there and just shoot a bunch of footage and say, oh, it'll come together later. You'll, you'll be kicking yourself the whole time. You've got to shoot for the edit. You've got to shoot for the edit. So you've got to know in your head, how am I going to tell this story? Even if you don't know how you're going to tell the story, you better figure it out right there. Just figure it out. This is probably going to go here. This is probably going to be like this. I can cut from here to here to tell this moment, to tell this story. Then when you get in the editing room, it's even better because usually if you've done your job telling the story before you're even in the edit room, the editing process is A, smoother, and two, comes out way better than you thought it could because now you have a, no, a whole other layer of tools to use to put that thing together and, oh, this actually works way better here than I even thought. It, it's just great. So I learned all that on that one project. That was the junior year experience of learning how to create short films and then documentaries and also myself learning how to anchor really well. I had already won uh, anchor team uh, with another student, and so I, learned, I knew how to anchor off of somebody uh, but my sophomore and junior, and then eventually my senior year, I did solo male anchoring. And that was great, too, because that allowed great perspective um, on the packages I chose, learning how to talk to a camera. Learning how to talk to a camera with your own personality, no matter how quirky or weird or different it is. The news packages we would do would range from goofy stuff to, you know, from, you know, dancing like Michael Jackson to doing really important stuff about uh, No Child Left Behind Act. That was a huge deal our junior year. We won Best Reporting because we had all these reports that were very touchy. It was right in the middle of 2004 or 2005, so you had uh, the Bush administration, a lot of controversy coming out about you know, the No Child Left Behind Act and the school system and the, rating si- the grading systems and all that, uh, the Iraq War, um, Afghanistan, and, and so we, for better or for worse, and that year in particular kind of took some perspectives. And for students, it was not normal. It wasn't, wasn't something you normally talked about. Uh, but all of that was, was really important to us. So I grew to have a love for journalism. Ended up following some folks from Channel 8 News around for a little bit. One of the main anchors there, Bob Height, who anchored uh, Channel 8 News in the evening for a long time. Showed him some of my work. He gave me some tips and let me follow him around for a week or two. Um, just learning about journalism. So I fell in love with filmmaking. I really enjoyed the fast-paced, random storytelling stuff you have to do in a journalism setting. Even after a short period of time, this sidewalk that was once cluttered with trash has now been restored to its normal appearance. This is a true testament of the hard work that the city employees of Lakeland give every single day. It was a great experience. That senior year, in particular, a video, uh, two videos that I had done. One was when I got really personal and I did a story on my adoption and on the adoption then of other students in the school, which was very different. You normally see stuff like that. Kids who had given their own kids up for adoption. She didn't need to be in a situation where I was 15 and struggling and where she possibly felt like it was her fault for being there, that that's why we were struggling. And she deserved a better life than I could give her. And also students who had been adopted and what that meant for them and their life story. The day the nurses, they called my grandma and they said, would you like to, we have this baby boy and he's got problems because his mom's been on drugs and stuff and he's got the shakes real bad and crack baby and just, would you like to adopt him? And she opened up her heart and she said, yeah, I'd take this kid. That was very personal. I didn't, 
I didn't know how that would be taken, but that was also another big moment because uh, not just for me, but our, our crew, honestly, it was a very, it was very emotional. It was a very emotional time because that documentary touched some stuff at the school that we hadn't really known before. So it was very, it was good. It was a really good experience to be able to tell I, my story. I remember us showing that and, and teachers like saying, oh my gosh, what that was, you know, I, I was in tears like yeah. watching that. And that was to be able to evoke that kind of emotion from teachers and high school students is just, just great. There was somebody that he looked like he could say. He said, wow, I look like somebody. On Labor Day weekend of this year, I met for the first time the woman who gave birth to me 18 years prior. So a big part of our, our class uh, was the production of a daily broadcast. Mm -hmm. What did you gain from the experience, or what did you find beneficial about the experience of, of not just making a film um, and, and perhaps showing that? Because this was back, you know, the, I, either before YouTube or in the very early days of YouTube. So that really wasn't a thing that kids went to to, to watch projects. But we had, you know, we had to show our content on closed circuit television mm -hmm. to the school. Um, what 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 did you find beneficial about the experience of creating a broadcast that went out every day to students? It's not just beneficial, but the thing that I enjoyed the, the most about that whole process was the ability to um, provide perspective for the school. That's something that I think might even be getting lost in the midst of how we do TV production these days. Uh, it's very easy for it to become cookie cutter, normal, whatever. But the television production team in particular, no matter who it's made up of, no matter what, who your executive producer or your directors or your anchors and all that are, they, they provide perspective and how to tell stories and how to, how, to, how to view the school in a particular way, what to highlight, what not to highlight, what to talk about, what not to talk about. And I really, really enjoyed the ability to put out there things that we just thought were neat about Lake Gibson and things that we thought were cool that were going on in our city and things that were really, really important to us uh, that then we found out were important to other people too. Uh, but one of the most beneficial things at the end of the day is just people taking time out of their regular high school experience to learn and to perfect the craft and execute a well-polished product that takes a team to do and provides perspective for the school, provides the news that they may need to know, and also allows people to know some things that maybe they don't know what's going on in certain areas. I mean, there's a lot that's going on in high schools, a lot of club stuff, a lot of sports, a lot of this, a lot of that. But one of the advantages of a TV production team being able to do it every single day is literally being able to build a rapport with students, being able to build trust, and being able to talk about things that you're not going to literally be able to do in any other area of the school like at all so you have the ability to shape certain narratives that go on in your school and report on things and talk about things uh, that are really really important and being able to do it every day or at least creating a, a teamwork environment where you're at least trying to produce stuff every day and trying to get good stuff out it's just really great there's a lot of talk about teamwork in sports and stuff like that but I found uh, that getting a daily news show out there can be just as tough as trying to get a touchdown. Just as tough. Well, one thing that I found um, in since I started teaching, and when I look around at other schools, what a lot of other schools will specifically do is they will 
they're specifically emulating what what professional newscasts are doing. They're specifically yeah. uh, trying to replicate the, the techniques and, and the look of either their local news or a national news broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of, just looking back on a lot of what, what we did in high school, a lot of it wasn't, wasn't journalism in the sense that I see a lot of high school students doing now. We, yes, we did reporting and we had segments on stories, but I, we didn't, we, we also did a lot of just kind of sort of silly but but creative content where it was just kind of like more skits more um you know, we might tell a story about something that was happening but we didn't really go in depth on it we just kind of we, didn't, we touched upon it but presented it in a creative way yeah. um so why do you think uh that we kind of and you and 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 you know, later when I joined the the class, why do you think we kind of went that route? And and did you find that to be a, a beneficial approach or a worthwhile approach to to doing content? Yes, <laughs> uh, I that was one of the things that I love the most about doing TV production at Lake Gibson in particular. We were given the opportunity, in our you know. I think she'd readily admit it today, but Laura McNabb, God bless her, she uh, she literally said, as long as you don't get me fired and you get some sort of announcements out there, you can do whatever you want. And that, honestly, like when she told, I mean, I, I think she told other kids that, I would hope, <laughs> but she basically told me that, you can do whatever you want, um, as long as you make sure you get the announcements out there um, and don't get me fired. That was, that was one of the greatest gifts a teacher could ever give to a group that we had in particular. Very talented group, very headstrong group, very creative, incredibly random. I mean, we were able to do, which even now I wish I saw more of, even in some of the best schools that I see. Uh, we were able to do incredibly serious stuff. Talk about suicide, adoption, politics, all this sort of stuff. And then do wacky, goofy stuff like... If you ever see ever this live wire zone show that we did our senior year. Good morning. You, the viewing public, are about to enter to a world of mystery, a world of intrigue, a world that is totally unlike anything you've ever experienced. As you enter the live wire zone. <laughs> Let's go. There's literally zero substance there's, to that there's, at all. There's no reporting whatsoever. There's very little reported. There might I think I think Alicia has a little thing about a movie yeah. review of or a story about the the, the last exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah, but there was also a segment. It was the, about the the haunted stories around yeah Lakeland. haunted stories around Lakeland or, or wherever. And then we had a literally a, a a 45 second slot for announcements. There's something in the air, something dreadful. It's the announcements with your host, Vampira. But the rest of it was UFO encounters. Today I embarked on a groundbreaking interview with a young man who said he not only encountered, but was abducted by an alien spaceship in this very field. Uh, but it was just crazy, and it was random, and it was almost like, kind of like you see now, um, sad they're off the air now, but like you see with Key and Peele mm -hmm. and other stuff like that, it was trying to create a cinematic approach to doing the TV production stuff. It was trying to do a cinematic approach to the news packages, a cinematic approach to delivering the news uh, that, that really is kind of out there now a lot. It was very SNL-ish. It was very, you know, 
Colbert and stuff like that, Daily Show kind of stuff. Um, but we relished in that. We loved that when you, especially when it came to the awards stuff, when you popped in a George Jenkins and a Bartow and a couple other schools, you were going to see well done, very well done pieces of work that were very journalistic in their nature, uh, very professional in their nature, but you could basically say, oh, they're basically doing Fox 13. They're basically doing Channel 1. When you popped in like Gibson's, we relished in the idea that you had no idea what you were going to get. You had no clue. You might get a really serious show, and the next show you're going to get uh, an SNL parody. From Studio 7, it's Saturday Night Live Wire. Or you're going to get the Live Wire Zone, or, or a soap opera show, or a Around the World show, or whatever. TV parody show that Kevin did his uh, senior year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that That kind of stuff was just great. It was so much fun, because honestly... There's no chains. You can do whatever you want. And that's that's pretty neat for a kid. It's it's a really great gift. So being able being kind of locked into only doing a certain kind of thing, it just squashes. It's really what's happening across the 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 board when it comes to education in general, sadly. But being able to give free reins to kids and say just do what you want to do. Stay within these boundaries that you definitely need to, but then how you execute that, it's up to your God-given talent. Just do it. All right, so I, I've ha- I've talked to other teachers before that have not really seen anchoring to be an important skill set to really teach students, and it's not really? it's not necessarily that often. But it, there's a couple different teachers that I've talked to, and they're like, you know, we're focused more on on you know, the the skills with the software, the technical skills mm-hmm. necessary to do the job, things that when they go out, if the kids want to go out and work in this industry, that they're going to need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I don't quite agree with that. I, I think there's a, a major benefit, and maybe, um, and I feel like that you you would agree too, but I could be wrong. But I feel like that there's a a major benefit to uh, teaching kids the communication skills associated with being on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you were definitely one of the top on camera personalities in our class. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how was being on camera influential to you? And and I would say, you know, how did that kind of help you grow and develop? Uh, as a as a young man, how did that help your communication skills? And, and what did you learn from the experience of trying to produce content where you were on camera? It's kind of funny now because I'm a, I'm a student pastor, so that's basically what I do. <laughs> I talk and I communicate. And until now, I had never really even thought about it, but probably a lot of what I did in high school, some in middle school, but then mostly obviously in high school, uh, crafted a lot of that. And I crafted a lot of that ability to not just be able to communicate, but, and hear me, this is, this is one of the most important words you can learn, and one of the most important things you can live into, with perspective. Communicating with perspective. Learning how to communicate to a camera and tell a story to be able to be, obviously at times, objective to what the story is. But learning how to tell your story through communication, no matter what you're delivering, whether it's a, a, a little news package on a sports game or, or you know, just reading the lunch menu or whatever, your personality and how you deliver that message is really, really important. Um, and, and can really add that extra layer to it. Just Most people would probably not consider anchoring important because they think it's just a job to do. 
You know, it's just something that has to be done. Somebody has to get on, they have to read, and that's that. Okay, so we'll just shove anybody up there, or there's no real craft to this. Well, of course there's craft to this. Like we've all been in situations where we would have understood something better if that person had spent more time on how they crafted that piece, on how they communicated it, on how they, 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 they understood and their perspective on it um, had, had had more time or more care. So, you know, an- anchoring in and of itself is a gift because, and it's, it's difficult um, and a gift, it's, it's a difficult gift to craft because I never approached it, and I, I could be different from other schools, so I don't know, but I never approached it as just a job to do. Like, there's always an end game. If I'm doing a report on, if I'm doing a serious report on, on uh, abduction of kids uh, and, and the safety of that, like we did, I mean, I wasn't just involved in the, the talking of it. You know, I'm involved in where we're at, where we're going to go, what's the setting, where we're going to go to the Lakeland Police Station. I'm going to come walking out of the cop car, which is kind of different and odd and whatever. We're going to talk about this stuff. I'm going to get myself into some unique situations where I have to communicate with people and ask questions of this and that, go to the FBI, talk to the FBI in Tampa about different stuff. All of that became very important because I'm not just delivering a message. I'm delivering a message with perspective, with personality, and it's me shining through. It's all of that. So it really became about, about again, that storytelling. And even in the goofy stuff that we would do where I was anchoring, but really I was just acting. <laughs> I was really right. just acting, getting abducted by aliens or watching my friend get abducted by an alien. David! Oh, no! It's still my perspective. It's still how I'm telling the story. I think a lot of anchors today, this could be, you know, in certain school settings, they're just doing it because they have to do it. And so learn how to... You know, use your cadence correct and use how to say it this way. Learn how to use your, your, your language well and how to, how to write what words to, to, to say a certain way and all that. And all that's important, all that's great. But if you don't have perspective, if, you don't, if you're not telling a story with it, in some way, shape, or form, I feel like it's going to get lost anyway. It's more than just a job. On the flip side of that, if you are anchoring, uh, you better learn the other stuff too. You better learn all that. If you're anchoring, you're not just anchoring. You better learn how the camera works, where it needs to be, how to work a tripod, how to edit your stuff, too, on a basic level so that you can walk in and, yet again, be in control of the story. Learning and and for them to be able to say, no, I don't want the camera there. I want the camera here because I want this behind me. That's all really important. But it all plays into each other. Every job is super important. And anchoring, again, sorry to beat the bush storytelling and and that's really important really important yeah i got a lot of students now that will uh uh, that are very very dependent on the teleprompter and Mm. on on Mm. on needing to have the script in front of them to be able to to read it well and and that's i I should rephrase obviously teleprompters are used in the news and duh right uh, but those are very different situations than what you can control now. And honestly, an anchor who's just sitting behind a desk, who, who's delivering all that, and it's all fast-paced, and it's all this, and it's all that, and they have to throw it out to this person, throw it out to this person, or pull this in here. Uh, they're crafting their own kind of thing in that moment. But what you have the opportunity to do in high school is is just it's less chaotic. You can, can create and control much more. And don't rely on the teleprompter. Rely on, and this, I mean, this is how I would do it, so you could take it or leave it, but 
rely on looking into the camera knowing that you really, really want to make that girl in the back of the class understand what you're talking about. How am I going to communicate that? Or I want to make that kid who never laughs at anything, I want him to crack up. You know? It's, it's always about who you think you're talking to. You know? And, and that's intimidating for high schoolers. Because you're putting yourself out there. Now I'm vulnerable. Now I'm going to do something that's going to make me look a little goofy. I'm going to talk about something that maybe high schoolers wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable talking about. But that is what makes you different. That is what makes the gift of working as a team to produce these things. That's what sets you apart. That's what makes you unique. It makes TV production probably the most, in my opinion, totally biased, the most unique aspect of of, of a club or a, a TV, or I'm sorry, of, a, of an elective at the school. There's so much creative control and power you have to be able to communicate these stories and these segments and these short films and these music videos and commercials and whatever else you're doing. Um, when you're anchoring, the, the teleprompter can become a crutch. But crutches are not helpful. Crutches are if you're wounded and you need help. And at the end of the day, when you have the ability to do what you can do, you don't need it. Rely on your personality, rely on your instinct, rely on your team around you, and rely on truly what you think is going to tell the best story possible. Uh, you work with middle and high school students now as yeah. a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. How would you say your experience in a TV production class, or specifically your experience that you had, uh, how has that influenced and impacted the work that you currently do? On a shallow level, I still do a lot of video stuff, which is great. I do a lot of videos with the kids. Every week they have a new video that we kind of roll out for uh, our, our Wednesday night service that we do. Throughout the week we've been hanging out, doing mission stuff for Bible studies. We're just hanging out at people's houses and we're taking photos of each other and stuff like that. And just kind of documenting what, what God's doing in the midst of the group and what they're doing and stuff. And so I do videos every week. Every trip we go on I do a video, I do interviews, and we have created a culture here. Uh, where we like to document what's going on and the fun we're having and what God's doing and the things we're impacting and all that. So um, that's on the shallow answer level. I'm still involved in TV in that way in some way, shape, or form. So the craft is still there, and I, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, on the deeper level, what it really helped me do is a couple things. One, teamwork was huge. So knowing that, again, this is a weird way of looking even in ministry at times, but when you're leading a service or when you're doing what I do, you are trying to create narrative. You're trying to create stories within a story. You're trying to help these kids understand God's story. And at the same time, you're trying to help them understand their own life story, you know, and, and, and learning how to be able to communicate, um, and point out things in their story where God, we believe is showing up in their life. And, and, uh, uh, not just, saving them and not just pulling off miracles or whatever, but in the little things of their life that he is trying to shape and grow them, especially if they're followers of Jesus, trying to shape and grow them to be more like Christ. Learning how to tell them that story actually harkens back all the way to when I was a kid and my parents shaping my story as being adopted and all the way through TV production in particular, learning how to sit down with somebody and say, tell me more about that. Tell me more about why that impacted you. That's basically what I'm doing today. I'm, I'm trying to cultivate this youth group to be the hands and feet of Christ. In the midst of that, you got 
50 to 60 stories that all have a unique perspective and all have a really unique way of, of going about walking out the way of Jesus and also walking away from Jesus. And how do we deal with that? How do we walk through this and that stuff? Um, but it takes a team of people. It's not just me. I have youth leaders. I have a team of, of young adults who help out a lot. We're at a church, so it's a collective effort. And TV production was huge for me because it taught me how to work with a team. And that's not all about me. My perspective may be great, but if I can't get Kevin to do the camera work uh, to give my perspective, I'm screwed. <laughs> you know. And now I work with a team of adults who were all on the same mission, trying to grow these kids up in Christ and equip them and their families for, for ministry and, and to know the love of God. So uh, TV production was massive. It's still to this day period of time in my life wise was still the biggest shaping of who I am even though I'm not even really in it anymore that's kind of the best part I can still talk to Kevin about what you're doing I still talk to Andy Gash about what he's doing and seeing what what they're producing and I fall back in love with it all over again you know because it was such a rich period of time that shaped a lot of me um and allowed me to to find myself in many many ways so all right ryan lanny thank you very much for your time thank you kevin and that was my conversation with ryan uh one of the things i emphasize in my program is a majority of the kids that i teach will not always pursue a career related to film television or video Um, and so while i want to prepare them for the possibility to do so i also want them to come away with gains in areas that are going to be relevant to them in whatever they pursue uh, and I think Ryan is a great example of that. Uh, if you want to check out some of the uh, the, the mid-2000s silliness of uh, what we did in high school, um, you can go to the YouTube channel, Lake Gibson TV. Some of it's on there. Uh, eventually, I do plan to do an episode talking more about the, the, the Polk County Video Awards as a program um, and kind of explaining like what it is and, and why I think it was a, a very meaningful program for me growing up. Um, but then I, I'd like to really highlight some of the other district or, or regional level uh, competitions or programs that may exist in your area. I'm a firm believer that local district or regional area events are, are some of the best ways to really build up uh, new or, or maybe intermediate programs uh, as you're trying to kind of um, you know, progress your program. Uh, doing something on the local level as far as a, a competition or contest is the best way, I think, to do that. So be on the lookout for that later in the summer, uh, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, so, all right, that is this week's episode. As I said, I should be back in your feed in the middle of next week with my interview of Jennifer Overtives from West Ranch High School. Uh, and that'll be my last interview that I recorded last summer. And then we'll move on to interviews that will have been recorded much more recently. Uh, For now, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. I hope those of you gearing up for summer are having a great finish to the end of your year and a great start to your time off. And uh, yeah. Hey, sorry to once again mention my love for all that is the Florida State Seminoles, but how about that softball team, national champions? Jesse Warren was an absolute beast. Way more fun to watch that series than the NBA Finals this past week, in my opinion. Um, But all right, yeah, I guess I'll catch you guys back here in a few days. But never forget the experience you had inside the live wire zone. Beam me up, Scotty.
Beam me up. Please. Ah, thank you. Now. Nah. 